I mean, I don't know how much, and I've I've been on TMZ and certainly read the gossip columns about it. I don't know how much depth you want me to go into about it. Thanks for joining us, everyone, for the award-winning podcast known as At WCSU. I'm Paul Steinmetz with Pete Puccio, and we are set to give you all the information you need about Western Connecticut State University, along with a few other things. Today, we're going to talk about the startup of spring athletics and an interview with one of our education professors who does research on new ideas about how to teach so that every student meets their potential. And you'll hear that she does that in her own classroom, too. And Pete, you know, I want to talk about the rest of the world as well, which involves the breakup of Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez. Oh, Yeah, that's two of my obsessions, baseball and Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Do you know anything about the latest uh, situation? I Any don't, updates? other than what, uh, what Caitlin had to say. That's all I know. Yeah, Caitlin is really into it. <laughs> and I thought I was. But uh, you'll hear all that in the rest of the podcast. First up, we have Dr. Catherine Rose talking about her research and how she goes about teaching education students for the modern classroom. Dr. Rowe, could you talk about some of your research? You uh, gave your uh, presentation recently to others on campus uh, about how you go about or how people, teachers, should go about teaching students in classrooms? Great question. So um, what, what, one of the, uh, I'm going to start off with maybe the why. So um, one of the components on a teacher certification exam, and, I, and I'm leading uh, student teacher candidates through uh, certification uh, portfolios, is to for our candidates to be able to identify their students' strengths. And that requires a definition of what students' strengths really is. And it happens to align with my own research on uh, cultural relevance, funds of knowledge, and invitational education theory and practice. So I use that lens of funds of knowledge and invitational theory to discuss student strengths. So and when you go ahead, when you uh, talk about funds of knowledge, you're talking about the students that the knowledge the knowledge that students possess and bring into the classroom. Absolutely, yes. So when a when a when I have a student that I'm teaching, you know, if, if especially my candidates are going to go out and teach PK through 12 students. Mm -hmm. So those students, they live in a community. They have come from certain cultures. Um, they have certain religions. They live with families or in some kind of a situation at home. All that information creates their worldview and their identity. We all have an identity, right? But the extent to which a teacher learns about their student's identity and the transfer of that knowledge is called funds of knowledge. So the teacher is the one that contains that funds of knowledge because the student comes in with a funds of identity. And so in my work, and I um, and, and I was lucky enough to work with a colleague who introduced me to invitational education. 
theory and practice. And invitational education aligns perfectly with funds of knowledge because invitational ed education takes the students' interests and who they are as a person. And the whole point is to become this exchange where I learn about my students, but my students then learn about me and their interests are brought into the classroom to leverage for learning. The other piece of that is that um, I want to create conversations that are not strictly academic conversations, but also have information from outside of the classroom. Those conversations, well, where else will they come from? Knowledge from your hobbies, your culture, your community, what do you do outside the classroom? So they align quite well. Mm -hmm. So to me, that all makes great intuitive sense. Uh, but I'm sure that you run into and teachers run in the classroom run into problems, right? Some, as a teacher, you have to be interested in your students, not just be a uh, somebody who puts out information and expects the students to take it and learn that way. And also uh, you run into issues about uh, from people who think, who say, hey, you just got to teach the three R's. That's how students uh, learn and they move forward, et cetera. Well, sure. And, and while that might be true, right, um, I'm not suggesting that we spend a lot of time and we, we uh, only have conversations on interests. But this is how we do it. And, and it's a really good question because I wanted to hit on this yesterday and I really didn't get a chance to. You know, it's, it's really, um, it's a sense. You know, once you develop this, um, and you use the word, you know, it's, it's intuitive. But when you're having a conversation with a student and, and, and happens immediately, you find out one of your students is on the football team or the softball team or the baseball team. I'm going to leverage that somewhere in the semester for learning. I find somebody's in the dance team or I find somebody works at the library. There's information that can't that our candidates or students will give you and you have to have that 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 ear open for it. And I think that was the piece, the takeaway yesterday. You know, well, well how do you do it? Well, you develop a sense for it, right? Just like a speed limit. Okay, you can. You just know there's a speed limit. You slow down. I. You hear something like it. Okay, mental note, note to self. This candidate works in Panera Bread. So when you come up with an analogy, when you when you're using some kind of a, uh, a when you're developing a lesson plan, you want to bring something that can relate to their funds of identity, right? Bring that in there and leverage it for learning, because that's how we're going to enhance comprehension. That's how you enhance learning. That's how you promote inclusivity inside of your classroom. So if you want to have this equitable, inclusive environment, well, you have to be able to respect them and know who they are and then Im implement that into the classroom. Another side of that is really understanding your student and, and cultural awareness. I mean, it, we've been talking about it for decades, but what does that really look like in the classroom? If you, if you come back to who's your student identity and, and very simple, uh, if I have an Eastern 
Asian student, and they're recently, uh, and they've been educated in a school outside of the United States. They have a different system. They're much more passive, and there's that's the the culture hmm. to to be a passive student. It would be disrespectful. So then you move forward to the United States where that paradigm is completely shifted and we want our students engaged and we want them talking in the classroom. Well, you know, the, that student can seem like a reluctant student reluct, and, and they may not be. It may just be their culture. So putting on that lens of really learning about your student, inviting them to student to, to participate, understanding that because of culture, because of personality, learning style, they may not to, and respecting their choice not to uh, come to learning or, or come to that learning uh, exercise in the way that you've designed it. It really is a, it's a perfect um, marriage of funds of knowledge and, and uh, invitational education. And it's just uh, a, a sense. It's not, and it's not something that is a uh, particularly uh, that necessarily needs to be quantitative. However, there are surveys out there. One is by Smith, 2012, another one by Lockwood, and it's the ISSR, and it will evaluate the classroom client, climate. So if you're in that um, space where you're not sure if you really have that intuitive sense well-developed, um, you could use a tool, send it out to your students, mm. and they and you can test the environment mm -hmm. to see if you are having a inviting and uh, and a uh, inclusive environment. Right. So if you're a young teacher uh, starting out and you have all these things to do, what? How long does it take you to become comfortable in uh, your classroom before you uh, can produce that inviting environment and do all the things that the state requires you to do and the local district requires you to do and teach these kids? Well, that's a really good question because I guess our program would say four years. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I think that the, the biggest piece is um, our, our candidates, and I could use by a by example, our candidates, our candidate goes through a, a four-year program, which leads to a Connecticut teacher certification. Um, each year, we have a timeline for certain um, skills, uh, praxis exams that are uh, required. But, you know, it takes a while for a candidate to develop a teacher's voice hmm. and to feel comfortable. And, you know, we have some things in place for that. So how long, I think it's a process. I don't think that you could put a timestamp on it. Um, I think some candidates could get out there and I've seen them in their very first methods courses where they're doing their field work and they just naturally, uh, you know, they have the teacher's voice. They might've been experienced in teaching um, at a camp or as a babysitter or as a nanny. Other candidates might have had no experience with children, but have the calling to mm -hmm. be a teacher. So it might take them a little bit longer. Um, we have a really interesting um, situation in uh, very early on in their, their uh, training or in their program where they work with a live simulation called Mersion. And they work with an avatar. So they get to have 
several opportunities to practice, develop their teacher's voice, and it gives them scenarios that they're going to see in the classroom, pushing higher order thinking questions or dealing with um, problem behaviors, um, having those difficult conversations with parents. So it gives them an opportunity to, to practice that um, do no harm, right? They're working with an avatar, an actor behind the uh, behind the screen. So um, that allows them that opportunity to to practice and play with different ideas and 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 different strategies. And then we have a program that is embedded with fieldwork opportunities throughout. And we also do um, immersive fieldwork, TA fieldwork, um, so that our candidates. By the time they graduate, they've had 100 of hour, hours of field work in addition to 70 days of um, student teaching experience. Mm -hmm. So when they graduate, they do have um, the experience that they need. We also have a program that, that is a, a rigorous program that while it prepares them for their teacher certification um, exams and the ATP portfolio, we also are giving them skills and strategies so that they can make a lesson plan and they know different instructional strategies to use to help their their students but getting to the point for today they learn how to differentiate instruction and when they learn how to differentiate differentiate instruction they understand who are the students in their room what are their needs how do they need to learn how do they need to be supported or accommodated how do they need to be challenged mm -hmm. And you have some background in with uh, English language learners, students whose English uh, who don't use English as their first language. That adds another level to it, right? To learn, getting to know these students when with a possible uh, language barrier. Oh, absolutely. And the interesting piece is all English language learners are not created equal. We have English language learners that might have just arrived into the local school system from and have been educated their entire school career outside of the United States. So that English, academic English is not there. They have not been trained. So they may come into the school not speaking a word of academic English or being able to write academic English. Then you have other students that have, that have been here a while, but they may be speaking uh, another language other than English in their home. And then, you know, the interesting piece is you might have had a student, and this is the piece, this is that that uh, missed piece of it when we talk about English language learners. They've come into the country, they might have even been born here, but then they left the United States mm -hmm. and went back to the uh, another country five years, and they went to school in another country, they come back to the United States. So while they will speak to you and they have this, you know, basic interpersonal communication skills, which sounds like they don't even, um, we wouldn't even know that they could speak another language, but their academic language proficiency is not quite that of their typically developing peers. Mm -hmm. And that's a piece where we also need to differentiate to support them so that they can come up to that level with their other peers. Mm -hmm. And you're obviously enthusiastic about teaching and being in a classroom and helping students succeed, every student succeed, but what a difficult job. Who goes into this now uh, thinking that um, they wanna be a teacher? Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> being a teacher is really a calling. It, if 
you have a need to, it, it's, it's a need and that I was born with. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. You know, when I was a little girl, my dad brought in one of those big old fashioned blackboards. I guess that speaks to my age. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I spent my entire after school teaching and whatever I learned at school that day, I taught my brother. And you know what? He was very successful in school. But you know that that's that's what I did, and that's what I did with my friends. And and you find that with with a lot of candidates, they they played school. You know, they they uh, they they looked at their teachers as role models, and they wanted to do that. They wanted to give back. And for me, I wanted to give back not only to my candidates, but I really just think, my personally, I think I don't know how or what's a better way to help globally than to help people to read and to be able to use those skills to get a job. So, so I think that social, um, social, uh, to promote any kind of social agenda, we really do need to have a strong education system. So I feel like I'm doing my part to try to make the world a better place as corny as that might sound. Yeah, no, it's not corny. It's great. And it sounds like that is the kind of students we have in the education program. Yes, many of whom come into the program and they have the heart of the teacher. They they have a, a calling, if you will. They just know that they want to be a teacher. They love children um, or sometimes they have a love for the content. And, mm. and that would be for your secondary education candidates. Um, I have candidates that come into the program and they were English language learners and they had ESL and they were so moved and so appreciative that then they want to go for the MAT and give back and, and teach uh, and get a TESOL certification so they can work in the school system doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So do you find, are you finding that the uh, information and uh, knowledge about funds of knowledge and this kind of approach is being accepted in the education community largely or out there beyond Westcon? I think that if we go back in time in history, uh, you know, we look at, you know, tried and true theory and research. Vygotsky is um, a, a proponent and of social learning theory for scaffolding, more advanced, working with more advanced others. So you know, heterogeneous grouping or, or grouping, you know, peer tutoring, all this. These are all things that were that trickled down from Vygotsky, right? And uh, uh, Louis Mull in, uh, and Gonzalez in 1996, they started talking about funds of knowledge. And they did this research where people went out, teachers went out, and they got to learn the community. And then they came in and, um, and they did some research on that. And they found that you know, when the teacher knew the the the, um, the students, and com compared to a teacher that didn't know, that those those students really flourished. So, you know, when I go through the research now, I'm beginning to see more and more information about funds of knowledge, um, and uh, it's becoming, you know, whatever however you call it, whether you get to have a connection with your students, whether you call it student strengths, whether you call it student assets, it really all trickles down from Vygotsky mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever lens you put on it. So it's all about social learning, social connections, and using that and leveraging that for learning. Mm -hmm. 
So if a student, a high school student has the calling around in or around Danbury, they should come here. They don't need to go anywhere else, right? Oh, absolutely. We have a great program. We have a great program. Um, we have, uh, not only do we have a great program, but I really do have to speak to our employment rates. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have a great program. It's a rigorous program, and, and I've already talked about it. But our program is embedded with a, a, a tutoring center called the Praxis Learning Center. So our candidates get support with their teacher certification exams, and they're getting um, their pass rates are very high. So, you know, that's that's one piece of it. But the other piece of the employment rates, our employment rates, we are having the Danbury School District want to hire our candidates before they've even graduated, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and they're very impressed. We have a recent article about one of our candidates in the Danbury News Times. And um, I, I think that you're going to be seeing and hearing more about employment, um, especially now you have a shortage of teachers. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested, if you think that teaching or education is the field for you, this is the time. If there was ever a time in history um, because of the amount of retirement, this is the time to go into education. Yeah. And if you're lucky, you'll have Dr. Catherine Rowe as one of your professors. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah. But I work with a I work with a group of colleagues that are dedicated, that uh, are involved, and we collaborate, and you know we're always brainstorming to make it a better program. And our creditors want us to do that, but we do that naturally. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, thank you for coming on today and talking about this, your own research, the program at Western, and uh, letting us know all the great things that are going on. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to just talk about things that I really love and the program that I enjoy and my colleagues and our students are great. I love our candidates um, and I wish we could showcase them here because <laughs> they're just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we have had some students, uh, student uh, education students on, but uh, you're right. We should have more of them. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for your time. All right, we have Caitlin Crowley with us. She works in the athletics department. She's an associate, what do they call them? Director of athletics or athletic director or something like that. And she's in charge of a lot of the different things and always a great guest on the podcast. And we're going to talk to her about a range of athletic-related subjects. You've started spring sports and everybody's getting into it now. Must be exciting. It is exciting. It's been, you know, just a little bit more than a year since we had to pull the plug on all of the competition and, uh, and travel and, and any athletic activities, any school activities uh, when COVID started last March. So um, everyone is excited to have the chance to get back out onto the field and not just practice, but compete. So how does that feel being back? I mean, I guess you've been, everybody's been, most people have been practicing, right, over the uh, COVID shutdown. So it must, this probably doesn't feel too foreign. Right, yeah. You know, one of our goals was to provide the best possible experience that we could um, and some kind of normalcy for our student athletes 
throughout this process. So uh, first semester, fall semester, we engaged in a very, you know, lengthy testing process for our student athletes to allow them to um, to participate in practices with their teams. We had to do it in pods, pods of 10, which is, you know, it's a challenge, but yeah. um, we were able to do that. And then now, now that we have, you know, the green light for our spring sports to go ahead and play, uh, everyone is very excited. Um, you know, I think that there's probably a, a shift in mindset now that that didn't exist perhaps in the fall when people didn't know if they were going to be able to play. Now that mindset is, wow, we do have a chance to compete for some championships. Now we've, we're going to get into gear. So um, I think, you know, I, you can sense that everyone is excited. Our student athletes are excited. Our coaches are very excited too. Our coaches are like kids in candy shops right now uh, <laughs> with getting ready to go and, and play their first games in more than a year. So yeah. everyone is, is ready to go. So I think the rules say that no, uh, no, there will be no audience or uh, crowds there watching, right, at the games? That's, that's correct. We are not permitting spectators at games. Um, there have been lengthy discussions with folks on campus, and we just decided that, you know, we, we want to give our student-athletes and coaches the best chance to, to play. Um, it's not worth the risk to, to have spectators in the stands, uh, and not to mention that with spectators in the stands comes extra precautions, extra testing, um, and extra staffing that we really have to be devoting towards our student athletes at the time. So um, it was not worth the risk to take. Um, we, we did consider it very carefully. We know people wanna see their, their kids play, their friends play, um, but we will be working very hard. And I know Scott Ames, our Associate Athletic Director and Sports Information Director is working very hard to make sure that we will have uh, a solid streaming service so that folks can watch the games online. No, that's good. Yeah. And does it make it a little easier when coaches are recruiting too? Or maybe this isn't recruiting season, right? But you do invite usually some high school seniors or juniors to watch the games when they're playing if you're interested in recruiting them eventually, right? Yeah, absolutely. Usually what'll happen is, you know, recruits will at some point come and, and watch something in person. And certainly there's a challenge with recruiting just in general um, amidst everything that's been going on. But our coaches have, you know, they have worked so hard to be able to bring in the best possible recruits that they can during this time. Um, you know, they've continued to communicate as best they can. They've shifted to a lot of virtual meetings. Uh, and like I said, recruits will have the opportunity for the most part to watch many of our games online through streaming services. Not everything will be able to be streamed, um, but we're gonna do the best we can to get the sports that we can and, and the games that we can online, so. Mm -hmm. Of course, today I'm looking out of the window here and there's snow on the ground. How is the spring affecting uh, workouts and game planning so far? It's funny you bring that up because this time last year, I think the the weather in Danbury was was beautiful. Mm. Um, I think we were thinking probably towards the end of February, beginning March 2020. Wow, this you know we might have great field conditions for the first time ever in the spring because we do struggle a lot with particularly baseball and softball field conditions. Um, and it was looking great for us. And then COVID hit. Um, and I think that, you know, it's warming up nicely. Hopefully this, the field conditions will allow us to have, you know, plenty of home games um, and, and not have to shift things around too much. But as with any spring season, we anticipate that weather is going to play a factor in our scheduling. Um, like I said, particularly for baseball and softball, because they don't play on a turf field facility, a turf field we can plow. Um, 
we can maintain it so that even if it is snowing or raining, it's still playable. Um, the natural grass is, is the fields that we, we worry about a little bit. But like I said, every spring, every spring sport, particularly baseball and softball throughout the region has to deal with, you know, the weather and that factor. So um, we continue to keep our eyes on it and work with colleagues throughout the conference to make sure that we can get the games in uh, as efficiently as possible. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're Division Three, so we don't get the TV contracts and all that. But for the athletes, I know that competition is very important. Sometimes the uh, athletic the level of uh, competition here at Westcon is the reason a student chooses Westcon along with the academics. <clears throat> I know that uh, academics comes first at most division threes, but it's definitely here at Westcon. But uh, it's hard to understate or overstate the uh, importance to a student athlete of being able to compete during their season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Division Three philosophy is obviously that um, academics is what comes first. It's the priority. It's why you're in school, right? And mm -hmm. athletics serves as very much uh, an extracurricular support to the overall educational experience. And that's something we believe heavily, that athletics plays a, a very important role in the experience of each of our student athletes, uh, not just in, you know, providing them a, a fun wellness outlet for them to exercise and be active, but also in teaching them variety of different values, leadership, teamwork, et cetera. Um, so it's obviously very important. Uh, they do come to Westcon because they want to play. They want to participate. And we're, we're in New England region. You know, we have some of the best competition in division three within our own region, which is fantastic to have. We don't have to go very far for it. Obviously COVID changes some of the travel that teams can do uh, throughout the region, but um, in a normal year, again, we have the opportunity to compete against some of the best. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think our student athletes are very excited uh, to have the opportunity just to compete right now. Our spring sport athletes, lest we forget, did not have a season last year. We had a couple of lacrosse games, uh, baseball and softball, and men's tennis did not have the opportunity to compete at all mm -hmm. last year because of COVID. Um, so these are athletes that, that did not have that season. And had they not played this year, we could have had uh, student athletes who would be entering their junior years and not having had played a single game, um, which would have been tough. That would have been tough to swallow. So again, we're really excited to be able to provide the opportunity for them to play safely. Um, we are taking every precaution that we can, monitoring the situation as best we can and working with a variety of constituents on campus to make sure that the management of COVID is going to permit us to play safely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it's all moving forward. Not only is everybody excited, but it uh, they're all taking precautions and it'll be safe and fun and interesting, I think. It'll add another element to uh, what's happening this year. Absolutely. Now, Caitlin, one of the reasons you joined uh, WestCon uh, in this position was to help raise money for the athletics uh, department and different teams. And it's been going pretty well since you've come on, right? I mean, during, <clears throat> what is it? There's that giving day. I mean, you raise like millions of dollars in <laughs> one day. If anyone's got millions of dollars to help us raise, I'm happy to talk to them. Um, no, we, we do uh, participate every year in the in Fairfield County Community Foundation's annual uh, day of giving. Mm -hmm. uh, it's usually in February, I believe the last Thursday in February. So this year it was February 25th. Um, it was the third year that we've done it. 
you know, one of the things I had conversations with our athletic director, Lori Mazza, one of the things we really wanted to be very cognizant of um, in, in, you know, in raising money and going about that day of giving was the impact that the pandemic has had on folks, on our alumni, on our families, on, you know, just in general, our community. Um, and obviously, you know, the pandemic has caused jobs to shift, jobs to be lost, um, hours to change, a variety of things to happen. And we wanted to be very, um, very careful and, and very sympathetic towards folks whose circumstances had changed. So we kind of took a more passive approach to day of giving this year. Um, last year, obviously, was our most successful day of giving that we had ever had. Uh, we raised over $70,000, I think, at the end of the day. Um, I think 72,000 was about what we raised. So, you know, it was a huge, huge, huge number for us based on what we've done in the past. And, and we were thrilled with it. Um, this year, we kind of took kind of a backseat, uh, knowing that circumstances had changed and, and wanting to be sympathetic and understanding towards folks. So um, we had a much smaller goal. And that said, we exceeded it. So uh, we, ra we still raised a significant amount of money for our programs. Um, we had some folks that were very excited to give back. I get to see all of the comments that come in when people donate and just a lot of people that had really positive experiences, whether they were an athlete or whose, uh, whose students, if they were a parent or a family member had a really positive experience. Um, so we're, we're always happy to see, see that and, and engage with them on day of giving. It really does permit us an opportunity to, to engage with them in a, in a fun way. And mm -hmm. one of the things we always, you know, we always say is that every dollar counts. If at the end of the day, we're not looking for necessarily $100 from every donor. You know, if all you can give is 5 or $10, every dollar counts. So uh, we were very pleased with, with the outcome of Giving Day this year, and we look forward to continuing it next year and beyond. Yeah, that's great. You know, fundraisers, people who raise money are not usually as sensitive as you are. So um, I'm glad to hear it's working out. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to be sensitive. Um, again, we these are relationships that we want to not just uh, not just have for fundraising purposes, but these are relationships that are important to us more than anything over the long term. We want to see our alumni and our families and anyone connected to our program come back to games in the future when we can allow them to come back mm -hmm. um, and to be involved in our in our programs and our department, um, not just through fundraising, but just in general, whether it's alumni days, uh, being at games and, and just being supporters of each program. That's that's really the goal at the end of the day. And, and we're we're pleased with with where we're getting with that. Yeah. So if you are uh, have extra money and you want to give it to the athletics department, contact Caitlin Crowley and she will help you in a very nice and gentle way. Relieve you of that money. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nice and gentle. I'm always happy to have a conversation with anyone. Good. So I do have one uh, baseball question that's not really related to Westcon. Can you uh, handle that? Uh, it's possible to handle it. Okay. So what do you know about Alex Rodriguez breaking up with Jennifer Lopez? Listen, it's, I, I was kind of sad actually to hear about that. I, I, I saw them at the inauguration, obviously when, when JLo, I, well, I forget exactly which, which part she's saying, but yeah. she's saying at the inauguration and the two of them looked very happy. And I then, know. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much, and I've I've been on TMZ and certainly read the gossip columns about it. I don't know how much depth you want me to go into about it. Well, you know, we're on uh, J Lo's side, right? Because Alex sounds like he's being a jerk. A little bit, yeah. Uh, do you watch Bravo at all, Paul? No. 
there's there's a whole I watch Bravo a lot and there's a whole other side to the story with some uh reality television star and Alex Rodriguez. Evidently, yeah. I can't I, evidently this is only alleged. Yes, it's only alleged, but uh <laughs> <laughs> she admitted they've been having texting um you know, relationship of some kind. Something like that. I didn't believe her at first necessarily because she had a lot to say, but you know, yeah. that's reality television for you. That's right. It's just gotta <clears throat> it's hard to get inside a know what's happening in a relationship, but you gotta think uh Alex is crazy. Yeah, absolutely you have to. And listen, I'm a Yankees I'm a Yankees fan. You know, Alex Rodriguez yeah. I have mixed feelings about him as a baseball player, but, you know, I think especially after he retired, he was a way more likable guy. Um, but yeah. J-Lo is, is, is a treasure, right. you know, she's right. a national treasure. Exactly. You can't treat J-Lo bad. Correct. Hmm. All right. Well, as this develops, we'll bring you back on for more commentary. <laughs> you know, more, much more than anybody else. Do you ask every person about uh, J-Lo and Alex Rodriguez? Yes. Okay, that's good to know. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't single you out. <laughs> well, Caitlin, thanks for joining us today. We will have you on again regularly uh, to catch up about what's happening on in our athletics program. It's always great to have you on. Absolutely. And for anyone that wants to be able to follow any of our spring sports teams that will be playing this spring, um, our first competitions start on March 26th, and our schedules be, will be on our athletics website. It's www.westconathletics.com. Uh, any links to live scoring, live stats, and video streams will be there as well. So I Excellent. would encourage folks to check that out. Yeah, I'll be watching. Great. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Caitlin. Now for our next segment. Recorded live, Jacqueline Bonomo, the student co-host for at WCSU. How are you doing, Jacqueline? I'm doing great. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time you're watching. This is Jacqueline, your student co-host. Um, it's cold, but otherwise, having a good day. It is a little cold out there. It's like February or January. I know. Which spring, is annoying. spring just needs to get a move on. Yeah, as usual. But I think sp official spring is Saturday or Sunday, right? Yeah, but knowing us, it's not going to get actually warm until it's like officially summer. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. That is what happens here. You'll be graduated. Yeah, and then suddenly like the whole world will open up like, you know, everything's going to COVID's going to magically disappear. The weather's going to be amazing. And they're going to be like, oh, but you graduated. So no senior <laughs> year for you. <laughs> How about St. Patrick's Day? Do you celebrate that? Um, I'm fully Italian, but, um, everyone's Irish on St. Patrick's day. So I just hope, um, everyone's safe. I know that it's a big, you know, 21 and over holiday. So hopefully everyone stays safe. Are you over 21? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So stay safe. And I agree with you. It's like, if you're not really Irish and even if you are, I think it's kind of, excuse me, a stupid holiday. <laughs> big yeah just put on green don't get pinched that's really yeah. all you gotta do <laughs> exactly and then you know drink green beer that's awful i don't want to drink green beer or those like green bagels from stop and shop oh. like 
cute, but like, why do I want to eat food that kind of reminds me of mold? Yeah, exactly. It's not good. I like the chocolate covered gold coins, so. Yeah, won't com- can't complain. Yeah. Then we'll move on to Easter and Easter eggs and all that. Yeah, How was your I, weekend? Uh, uh, my weekend was good. I mostly just worked. Um, you know, being a student with two jobs is so fun, and hmm. I love it, and I'm not at all tired, ever. <laughs> um, I have, do have some news about my internship at the Pride Center over oh. the weekend, so we will be doing um, dates to follow, but we'll, we will be doing um, like a virtual sort of tour for anyone who would like to see our office space, since it's not open yet. Um, we're in the West Side Classroom Building, room 200. Again, that building is an enigma. I have gotten lost about three times so far going to the same place, but we'll be doing virtual tours and um, sooner or later on our Instagram account, which shameless plug, you guys should all follow WCSU Pride Center on Instagram. We'll be doing kind of a campaign welcoming our newest hire who will be running the center. So I'm very, very excited. We found that out of the weekend. Cool. And then after everybody has their vaccine vaccination shots they can go there in person right yeah and i believe um i think vaccines for people my age got moved up to april instead of may i'm very excited about it'll be good we might even be able to you know drink out of the same bottle on commencement or maybe you know have a commencement yes actually we are planning to have a commencement yeah, I'm very, very excited. I'm the first in my family to ever go to college. So the idea of me graduating is like still like this huge thing. Yeah. And um, I'm going to be very excited if we could at least be in person. Like, That'd be cool. And commencement is a big thing. Graduating from college and getting through the however long it took. That is a huge deal for everybody. I agree. And tidbit about me, I actually tripped um, during my high school graduation on stage. And I was one of the first people because my last name starts with a B. So I would love that chance to redeem myself a little bit. But if I trip again, I, I may just never, ever walk. Yes. So what did you trip on your uh, regalia or your or what? I had my sister's robe from a couple years before me. And it, she's a little bit taller, so it was a little bit longer. And I guess I was just like nervous and I took like an odd step up the stairs and kind of, I didn't fall on the ground. So, hmm. but I, I kind of did a little tumble and then I bowed because everyone, <laughs> everyone saw it. Might as well own up to it. Yes. But, that's good. Um, yeah. That looking back at it, I kind of wish I just never went, but I'm, <laughs> it's a cute memory. I'll take it. You should definitely bow at your Westcon graduation just as an acknowledgement of that. Right. Bit of an homage. Right. And uh, what are your two jobs that you do? So I'm a resident assistant, like we talked oh, about yeah. last time. And I also work at David's Bridal Danbury. So Paul, Pete, if you ever need a wedding dress or a bridesmaid dress, you know you know who can get you that discount. But it's a great place to work. It's a wonderful environment. Um, just, you know, with the COVID craziness, we have like anxious brides calling us all day, every day. And sometimes it's hard to explain to someone like, yeah, you know, we do sell masks. That's a bride on them. So like, yay. Oh, man. is So uh, a lot of weddings have been put off, though, right? Yeah. So in, it was it's kind of odd to see how we as a society like took COVID because when it first happened in 2020, you know, everything was getting canceled. We were getting like a million returns, like nobody was even thinking about having a wedding. 
And then as time grew on, we realized like America's not getting us out of getting us out of COVID the way other countries did. People just were like, screw it. I'm still going to have a wedding. So then we got all these new appointments coming in mm -hmm. and it just be like people kind of just gave up and were like, well, I'm going to have a wedding anyways. Wow. It's so, an interesting turn. Yeah. But it must be gearing up now. Are people looking forward to the summer and fall for weddings? Oh, yeah. I think um, if you have, you know, listeners, you're probably going to get a billion invites to weddings if your friends are getting married because everyone's trying to get married in the summer. I think with the vaccine pushes, I think everyone's really gearing up for that. And I really hope there isn't a second strain or something crazy that comes yeah. in. And they're like, just kidding. <laughs> that. David's bridal, do you hem the dresses or something, or what do you do? Uh, I'm I work on the floor as a customer service rep, so I'm I'm the one who puts the dresses away and cleans them and answers the phones. But um, we have a wonderful alterations team; they're great. But um, I'm just looking forward to when things open up again. Yeah, especially no, on campus, like like the younger students who just got here and again like didn't have a real freshman year or a real mm -hmm. sophomore year. Like as much as I, I'm jealous because I didn't get a senior year, I am going to be very happy that um, they'll be able to get that in-person experience next semester. It'll be much, much nicer. Yeah. Again, jealous, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be, um, you know, be able to enjoy your social work job that you have. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, talking to people face to face. Yeah, that'll be nice. It's hard to be in a helping profession when you can't be in the same room with someone. Yeah. It must be like that at the bridal salon, though, too. Oh, the the brides don't care. They don't. <laughs> they're, they're just like, put me in a dress, I'm buying it, I'm leaving. Wow. Do you, are you a fan of the show called Yes, Say Yes to the Dress? So I have an odd experience with that show. When I was a kid, I used to, like, when I would be home from school and be sick, that would just always be on the TV. And I like was the type of, I was like, oh, I'm not like other girls. Like I'm going to get married in like a pantsuit and Converse shoes. Like I just thought I was different and cool, uh -huh. but that show is so fun. It really is. Especially if you have it on in the background, because you'll get so invested in these people's lives for no reason. Like you'll mm -hmm. sit there and be like, wow, her mom is so mean. That dress looks so good. That's exactly right. You're right. Sometimes the grandma or the mother and future mother-in-law come in and say, oh, no, you can't wear that. And it's the one the bride wants. And so she bursts into tears. It's like to have your own wedding. Have your own wedding. Right. Exactly. Do the moms show up and yell at their uh, daughters at your place? Honestly, it's not as bad. We don't get, like, the whole bridezilla experience as much, especially, again, with COVID. I think people kind of just are happy to be there. Uh -huh. But we have had our fair share of, like, mean moms or mean mother-in-laws. And some of the sometimes you see, like, them argue. And I'm just, like, standing at the cash register, like, so will that be a cash or card? And they're, like, fighting for their lives. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't get is sometimes the bridegrooms, the grooms show up. They aren't supposed to be there at all. Yeah, that's, like, a whole tradition thing. We still see that a lot. Like, oh, I don't want, like don't give me the clear bag. I don't want my husband to see my dress. Like, I think that superstition of like not seeing the bride, especially in the dress before the wedding, mm -hmm. feels really prevalent. And it makes you wonder like where those things started. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody must have, uh, it must have happened once and the bride died or something. And then it just uh, got <laughs> so, a life. Never again, time. never again. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that to happen. All right, so part of our deal here is we go over uh, events that are coming up on campus that you can comment on. 
You can be snarky or supportive and uh, talk about the things you want to go to, right? One of our old uh, previous uh, co-hosts really loved bingo. Have you ever been to the bingo things? Oh, I don't think you actually go to WestCon if you've never been to a pack bingo. <laughs> I remember being a freshman and like, you know, I was like, had my little friend group in Newberry and it was like, bingo was happening. You like basically like sprinted to the shuttle to get to West Side <laughs> to win nothing. I never right. won anything, not even like so much as a dime. Yeah. And, um, but it really is fun. And again, that's another thing I'm looking forward to having in person next semester, even though I can't be there. Cause that, you met so many people at bingo and you saw so many different, like when someone wins and they like scream and like sprint up to the up to the prize. Honestly, it was, it was quite a good bonding experience. You got, you have to go at least once. That's good. Pete. We talked about going to uh, one of the bingos before everything got locked down because Chantel made it her mission to win once before she left and never, uh, Never got there, so they shut it down. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, I never win things like that. I'm just like perpetually unlucky. But um, it is fun to like see people like lose it, like they're one away, and then somebody else calls it bingo, <laughs> and you can't like hold in your frustration that you were this close. So you see people like bang tables, and then they get all embarrassed, like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I I, I was one away from bingo." <laughs> like it's okay. It's gonna be fine. Like it's gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's on, it's kind of cutthroat bingo here at Westcon. Oh yeah, like you got to be on top of it. You call bingo a second before somebody, forget it. You have an enemy for life. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should do next semester we're going to do a podcast at the bingo thing. Live at Pack Bingo. You really yeah. should live yeah. commentary on bingo like, like it's a sports <laughs> game and be like, "Oh, we've got number 19 here. She's looking for B10." <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. We could do that. All right. What else is coming up this uh, next few weeks? That would be good. I'm trying to think. I know I'm not sure about the exact date. Let me, I can look that up, but I know the um, fashion show is happening. That happens every year. Um, a couple of my friends and residents have been going to those practices. Um, it looks like it's going to be a great show. I think they have got some good numbers this year. Um, I can definitely look that up. But it looks like it's going to be great. I always hear good things. I went one year. You I did? think it's hosted. I think it's hosted by the um, BSU, so the Black Student Union, and the ACSA, the Afro Caribbean Student Student Association. Mm -hmm. So keep an eye out for that one. I'm pretty sure it should be in the What's on Westcon email anytime soon. Yeah, and uh, I think it's at the beginning of April. I believe so. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, and it's this year. It's in. Um... The O'Neill Center, as opposed, it usually is in uh, Ives Concert Hall in Whitehall. But this, the way that the seating works in there, they can't get enough audience in to make it the way they want to be. So that the O'Neill Center, the way that's spaced out, you can get more audience. So it's going to be at the O'Neill Center this year. So yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, it's nice interesting. to see these like things persevere. Yes. So I think that's... a thing we were all worried about was like, oh, what about our clubs? What about our organizations? Like, what about our events? And like a lot of things did have to get canceled or moved. But I, I like how we're utilizing like different spaces on campus to make what we need. Like, it's still happening. It just looks a little different. And I think that's like really, it just shows that like we really love these events in our organizations. Yeah, yep. like Coffee I House being I... outside and, and they're trying to do a lot of things outside to 
to allow them That's to right. happen. The, so. the tent is back up for the coffee house, right? Coffee house is one of my favorite things ever. Um, really? I've been going since a fresh, fresh, since I was a freshman. Um, <laughs> it does get a little cold with the tent, but they <laughs> brought last time I was there last semester, they brought up those two, two big heaters. So you could still hear the music, be socially distanced, but warm up, which I thought was super cool. Um, I used to perform every so often, or my friend would perform some poetry. I definitely recommend it to listeners. I think it's every Thursday night now yeah. um, on the Midtown Science Center field or science, yeah, the science building field. I think it's a great event. People are really, really creative. And, you know, you have some people who do poems, some people even do stand up or like your typical singing and instruments. I think it's really fun. What did you perform? I used to sing every so often or do some poetry every so often, but I wasn't, um, I usually had to work. So, uh, yeah, the next one is the Bahama Mama and the Painkillers. I don't and know who one, they are, but that's fun. Yeah, that one is virtual. The first in-person one in the oh. 10 is on the 25th. April 25th? Uh, March 25th. Oh, Oh, cool. nice. At least as of right now. You know, you'll keep, keep an eye on things to see if it gets canceled at the last minute because of weather or whatever. But that's that's the plan. It's snowing. Uh... Yep. Yeah, if it snows, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> Like, what are we trying to prove? It's good. We're Connecticut, not Maine. Cut exactly. The, cut the snow. Cut the crap. Yeah, or Denver, where they had a big snow, I guess. Okay, so um, I've just, my calendar is blowing up on me. I was looking at it, and there was a bunch of good stuff. Oh, I guess I, okay. Well, yeah, keep an eye on the WOW. Uh, you can get it on the MyWCSU app. You can look at it on the website. Uh if you're wandering around campus on the TV monitors, there's a big QR code that you can uh, scan and get it that way. And that'll tell you everything that's coming up, whether it's virtual or in person or uh, they also have, I think, dates for things, deadlines for, you know, ad drop and those kinds of things pop up in there, too. So it's a really handy uh, thing to have your finger on. Yeah. And Jacqueline, are you getting your test every week, your COVID test? Yes, I have been. I usually go on Thursdays. Um, it's gotten to the point where I've had 20 tests and mm. like 50 of those have been at the school. So it's gotten to the point where I'm on a first name basis with the people who do the <laughs> testing. So it's like, hey, how are you doing? Are right, you going to put this in my nose? Cool. All right. See ya. Have a good day. Hope the kids are good. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, the way it should be, I guess. It's a lot of reminding the students because, like, you know, I, I sometimes will forget. I'm like, oh, shoot, like, I got to do that. But um, unfortunately, like, you do get some, like, um, judicial action if you don't go. Just oh, yeah. like a breach of your contract in a way, mm -hmm. safety. So it's a lot of reminding students, like, hey, you got your COVID test. You got to do that and hoping that they'll do it. Yeah. Did you check out uh, Litchfield Hall after they had their kind of spike there? I checked on a few people who I knew work there and mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, like how's total isolation? <laughs> um, I believe they're open now. I think they that, are, they are. Yes. They've been freed. Um, they're very, very excited, but I hope, I think it serves as kind of a wake up call for the other residence halls. Cause I know when Litchfield closed us in Centennial, like we usually have a lot of, not a lot, but we've had our fair share of like COVID isolations in the building or like yep. first to Fairfield. So I think that was kind of a wake-up call for a lot of residents. Like, like yeah, you want to, like, be social, but you might be stuck, like, actually stuck in your building. Like, you can't even leave to go to the cafeteria, which is most yeah. people's, like, only, 
like in-person thing is getting their food. So mm-hmm. I think that was a little bit of a wake up call for everyone, especially from my perspective. I was like, I cannot be stuck here, please. <laughs> Don't do this to me. You could still do the podcast though. Of course. That, that's immediately the person that came to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, Career Center, Career Success Center is doing career fairs just like one after the other. The next one is March 30th, Business Arts and Entertainment. And then they're doing one on March 31st, Education, Health, and Government. They really work hard on those, like, especially since a lot of times they get people, they get like um, representatives from actual like places that would hire you or like would be interested in you. So I remember... I remember I never really paid much attention. Like I get a billion emails a day. I was like, okay, sure, sure, sure. But then I had to go to one for a class. And I was like, I could have gotten so many like opportunities and connections from this. And I just kind of like pushed it off. But they do a lot of hard work at the Career Success Center. Like they really, they really want us to be hired. They do. And there's a lot of different things there about getting yourself ready to be hired and uh, how to think about your life too. They've gotten into that. So you and Pete have that in common. He ignored the career center too yeah, when he was much, a student. To my detriment. Yeah, it wasn't on purpose, career center, no. if you're listening. Um, <laughs> my partner actually works there and he's like constantly doing resumes. And I was like, hey, you want to do mine? Like, here it is. Get me a job. But um, yeah, they do tons of hard work over there, especially the student employees. Like they're always so connected and it is a great resource. It is a little intimidating, I would say, because, you know, not only are you like going in, like trying to like find a job, but you're also being judged on your resume, your experience, like how you interview. So it's it could be a little intimidating, but I really do recommend it, especially for like juniors and seniors. Mm. But it's, it is never too early to get in there. No, you can go as a freshman, especially yeah. if you're looking for internships. Exactly. It's very, very helpful for that. And they try hard not to make you cry. I, I would hope so. Yes. I mean, well, you Even if your resume is no good, they'll help you make it better without making you feel bad. All right. That sounds like a wrap to me. Yeah, I think I think we hit a lot of good points today. Yeah. And we'll do it again next week, right? Mm-hmm. See you guys on Tuesday. Thanks a lot, Jacqueline. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Well, I think that about wraps it up this week, Pete. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah? Like I said, everything you'd want to know about Western Connecticut State University. Whether you want to know or not, here it comes. That's right. And a little bit of J-Lo. <laughs> We're going to make that a regular, uh, something regular on the podcast now. Is your dog coming in to talk about J-Lo? Yeah, my dog came in to talk about it, too. <laughs> Now my wife is talking in the background, which is always great for the podcast. Yeah. Does she want to take us out? (laughs) This is at WCSU. Excellent. You have a career when I retire. (laughs) Nice. Now she shut me in here. Did she lock it? Are you going to be okay? (laughs) Luckily I have a window. This will be your only outlet to the world. So, I'm Paul Steinmetz, here with Pete Puccio. Tune in next week for another edition of At WCSU. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. 
Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at WCSU Media and on the university's Facebook and Twitter pages. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening. Thank you.